0: We're back here again, episode 303 of Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Mortensen here as we take a deeper dive on persuasion, motivation, influence, especially on persuasion today and how humor can help and even hurt persuasion. It was a chaotic week for me, married off my daughter, if you ever tried to do something like that, that's pretty tough thing to do, but got it done, had a lot of fun, and now ready to go to Atlanta. To train a secret government organization. Well, I don't know if it's a secret. I'll find out if I can tell you about it next time. But that's where I'll be heading off tomorrow. But let's just dive into it. Let's have some fun, take some notes here. Unless you are driving. Let's start off with a persuasion blunder. Homer. Don't, don't, don't. This was at a seminar-type event where, of course, they're trying to persuade people, convince people, and... It was in a big auditorium. They obviously had rented it, and I'm assuming they used the house AV, the audio, and it was just terrible. They spent all this money on auditorium, getting people there, and the audio was not good. It was hard to hear, little tinny, the bass was off, and when your audio is like that, of course people try to listen at first, and they tune out, and they start to leave, and they had a mass exodus. I bet they lost Probably 50% in the first hour. It was just too hard to hear, too hard to listen, and annoying on the ears. And that is important to use. We talked about last week the use of your voice, the rate, the volume, the tonality, the accent, the inflection. We talked a little bit about volume last week, but you got to be careful here that it's easy to listen to. And it could be even without amplification. If your voice is hard to hear from the back of the room or too loud from the front of the room or Sounds like you're whispering, and we will try for a little bit, but after a while we give up. It's just too much effort, so make sure you practice. They spent so much money getting people in the room, renting this facility, that that one little piece they didn't think through ahead of time about the audio or renting different equipment or testing it out made a huge difference, because by the time they got there and they're setting up, I'm sure there was enough time to get different equipment, or maybe they didn't even know the audio just didn't work. It was bothering people's ears. And I don't know if people even kind of identified what was making them tense or wrong or why they were leaving early, but it had to come back to that audio that was hard to listen to and hard on the ears. One of those subconscious triggers we don't think about sometimes. Another place where they blew it is when people were walking in, the audio wasn't on. The speakers weren't on. What I'm saying is a little music, a little energy can go a long way. Obvious with the system they have, maybe they didn't do that for a reason, but that would be another big blunder for them that cost them lots of money. So be careful there, even true on the phone, if it's hard to hear or bad cell phone reception or the Skype's breaking in and out, same thing, one-on-one, same type of thing with people, it's hard to listen to. Even on those cell phone calls, it's breaking up or it's hard to listen to. It's hard to be engaged, it's hard to stay focused, and it really just kind of, Makes humans a little tense inside, so be careful with that in your day to day persuasion endeavors. Let's jump to listener email. Of course, I can be reached at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at maximizeyourinfluence.com, and that's the website of choice, maximizeyourinfluence.com, to see the podcast to take your persuasion IQ test to get the free book Maximum Influence and see additional products and services all right there at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And there's even a contact us form there. And when I use your email on the show, you get a free version of Influence University. You can also check that out at MaximumInfluence.com. That's our advanced PhD. Hey, I'm serious about this persuasion program. So this one's from Pedro from Panama says, Gracias, Kurt. Love the podcast. I am reading Maximum Influence in Spanish. Two questions. Why in your Spanish version are penguins jumping off the cliff on the front cover? (laughs) You know, Pedro, I've always wondered that too. When my publisher gives rights to other countries, they come up with different titles, different graphics, and some of them I don't even agree with, don't even like. One unnamed language and country put a smoking gun on one of my covers. And obviously, they never read the book. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the force or using a gun. But you kind of lose a little control there when rights are assigned to different languages in different countries. And so I don't know why they have ones jumping off the cliff. I mean, I guess they're following, they're being persuaded, but I don't know what's at the bottom of the cliff. Hopefully, there's water. Uh, I don't know if it's... <laughs> a lethal jump or not, but I've had that same question too. I don't have the answer to that. Maybe they thought that they were just persuading each other to jump and jumping is a good thing because you can't see where they're jumping to. Pedro's second question is, Kurt, who are your biggest mentors in persuasion? Ooh, Good question. I was thinking about that when I read your email and you mentioned mentors. There's definitely been multiple mentors. Uh, And so I kind of thought, All right, who are my mentors and what are some of the main things I learned from them? The first mentor that started everything for me was Jim Rohn. He, uh, on the self-persuasion process, the personal development, the getting better, the improving yourselves just rocked my world. After spending all that money on a degree and a graduate degree, I never had anything like that. This is not the guy on ESPN. This is Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, and great philosopher, great motivational speaker, and one Quote that came out to me is he always said, Do you want to spend a day at the beach or own a piece of the beach? Isn't that a great quote? To where, I mean, you can spend a day at the beach, have fun, but a little delayed gratification, stay a little focused, don't go to the beach for a while. Then after a while, you can own a piece of the beach. The next mentor I worked closely with was Brian Tracy. He's probably author of, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 books on success. He taught me a lot about sales and closing and My favorite quote from him, successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people are always asking, what's in it for me? I think it goes back to Zig Ziglar, if you know him. He's one of the probably first motivational speakers, maybe not the first, but he made it popular. He said, the more people you help achieve their goals, the more people help you achieve yours. Kind of on the same line there. And I didn't spend as much time with the next mentor, Stephen Covey, but he had a big impact on the marketing side of business and just the congruence and the moral and ethical side of life and business. And he was a big believer of education. Of course, he started as a college professor. And I love what he said is that the admission of ignorance is often the first step in our education. (laughs) And that really opened my eyes because sometimes we don't know what we're doing right or wrong or what we're missing or what we need to learn. And that really opened my eyes. Another mentor I'll give you is Robert Allen wrote nothing down, multiple streams of income, and the One Minute Millionaire. He taught me a lot about persuasive presentations, crafting a great call to action. One of the things, I guess it's a quote, Remember, he wrote nothing down, buying real estate, nothing down. He sold a lot of different programs, teaching people multiple streams of income. But One thing he taught me was that when people put nothing down, they do nothing. Now, he wasn't speaking towards real estate. He was talking about people in general that... The more people spend on a product or service, the more likely to do something and use it. And that taught me a lot that, you know, people say, well, you know, let me just try it and see how it goes and I'll pay you later. It just never works out. They never do anything that if you look at your product or service that an investment up front pretty much guarantees people are going to be more successful. They're going to do it if they just only pay $7 or there's no investment of time, energy or resources up front, people probably won't do anything with it. And final one, Mark Victor Hansen. He's the co creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I don't know, a couple hundred million books sold, great stories. He taught me about being charismatic and got me interested in charisma. He's very charismatic from the platform. One of my favorite quotes from him is Don't wait until everything is just right. It'll never be perfect. There will always be challenges, obstacles, and less than perfect conditions. So what? Get started now. With each step you take, you'll grow stronger and stronger. More and more skilled, more and more self confident, and more and more successful. Just a great thing to wear. Hey, ready, fire, aim, get out there, do it. If you wait until all your ducks get in a row, it's never going to happen. So, Pedro, that is answers to your questions. Thanks for writing in. I'll contact you on your training in Influence University. But it's about time we get to our geeky scholarly article. And this comes to us from the Journal of Human Relations, Baylor University, and Matthew Quaid, that supervisors driven by the bottom line fail to get top performance from their employees. You always have managers and supervisors, bottom line, bottom line, don't care about you, bottom line, bottom line, got to make it happen, don't care about you. And maybe they do, but a lot of employees do not feel that way. When you look at leadership and motivation and persuading people to do their best, this becomes a challenge. So they found that supervisors driven by profits could actually be hurting their bottom line. But what happens is when the people below them see this focus, they lose the respect of those people, and they found that they withhold performance or just don't try their hardest because when those supervisors focus on the profits or that bottom line, they forget some very important things, employee well-being, the environment And even sometimes ethics to where they'll do anything to hit the bottom line, the ethics don't matter. And when that happens, it causes distrust and dissatisfaction. And that leads to the employees who are less likely to complete tasks at high levels and less likely to go beyond the call of duty. So when they have a supervisor that's motivating, that they respect and trust, that looks at the big picture, they get more effort. But when it's just about the bottom line, hey, will complete the task, but not at a high level, and they will not go beyond the call of duty. They call this BLM, bottom line mentality. So they surveyed supervisors and employees. They collected the data from all different industries, financial, healthcare, sales, legal, education. So pretty broad spectrum there. And they rated the BLM scoring, the bottom line mentality. And to the employees, they looked about likability, the relationship, and some of the exchanges that they were having. And they found that those supervisors that had the high BLM, right, the bottom line, they had lower quality relationships with their employees and the employees did admit they did withhold some performance. But they also found, which is really interesting, when the supervisor and the employee were both bottom line oriented, that that was also damaging and there was still negative performance. And they speculated that's because when an employee has that bottom line mentality, They wanted their managers to focus more on the interpersonal aspects of the job, foster better social exchanges than just focusing on the bottom line because the employee was already doing that. So be careful of this. There's a bigger picture here. When you look at the bottom line, what is the message that you are passing on to the employees? Do they feel that they can cut corners, do anything to get the numbers? Ethics don't matter. That could be a challenge. Of course, again, remember, it hurts the relationship. So bottom line, they're finding... And I'll quote, supervisors undoubtedly face heavy scrutiny for the performance levels of their employees and such. They may tend to emphasize the need for employees to pursue bottom line outcomes at the exclusion of other competing priorities. And those priorities are ethical practices, personal development, or building social connections in the workplace. Then they go going to say, however, in doing so, they may have to suffer the consequence of reduced employee respect, loyalty, and even liking. So I know it's rough in the leadership position, you need the bottom line, there's certain things you need to do, goals you need to achieve, but there's a bigger picture there for long-term loyalty and getting the best out of people. So take that to heart, whether that's a, a parent, a manager, a leader, or a persuader, you have to understand human nature, and this is a big piece, especially when you just focus on the bottom line, getting the results. And I know that's what you're paid to do, especially in a manager position, but you have to understand people, how they're persuaded, and how they are motivated. So that brings us to our main content, humor. Now, with humor, they're either going to laugh with you or feel sorry for you. There's no other ways. Remember, going to help or hurt. Now, where it hurts you is when you have lame humor that's not relevant, that's offensive, that's not funny, It'll haunt you. It will not work. It'll have the opposite effect. But I know you've heard a a joke before and you thought it was funny and you told somebody and they looked at you like you were stupid because it's all in the delivery. You have to practice your humor and realize you can borrow humor. Someone else can tell a joke. You can show a YouTube video, whatever you need to do. But humor creates rapport. You come across as more friendly and accepting. It gains attention. People listen better. It relieves tension. It enhances relationship. It motivates people. I mean, when you do this the right way, wow. The research also shows that it also increases trust with your audience. Another study found that humor can divert attention from the negative side of your message. Because if they're laughing at your jokes, (laughs) they're paying less attention to the content of your message, and it softens them up, it disarms them, and it connects you with them. I mean, there's so many important reasons that you can be more humorful. Now, I know that's not a word. I'm just throwing that in. But you can practice. You can do this. And I'm not asking you to be a stand-up comedian. I'm just asking you to practice your humor. bar humor. Get people to smile. It changes the persuasion process. But make sure you practice it. Make sure it's not offensive. Make sure it relates to what you're talking about. It makes a difference. Because if it's offensive, they're going to turn against you. Because when you get to dull and lame and humor, it not only repels people, it's irritating. And also you make sure you need to modify your humor so it's appropriate to your audience. Especially as I go around the world, train different people, different cultures, different countries, something that works in Italy does not work in the Middle East. And something that works in the Middle East does not work in the United States. And something that works in the United States does not work in South America. So we have different types of humor, different senses of humor. So make sure that whoever's invited you to speak in those different countries or, or even departments. Make sure you test out your humor. Show them the humor if you need to ahead of time, whoever's ever invited you to make sure that it's working. Another aspect of humor is the smile. It's free. It generates a great first impression. In fact, I focus on how a smile could help or hurt the persuasion process on the YouTube channel Maximize Your Influence. When you want to know more about that, smile can increase sales by 20%. I love what the actor John Cleese said. If I can get you to laugh with me, you like me better, which makes you more open to my ideas. And if I can persuade you to laugh at a particular point I make by laughing, you acknowledge it as truth. So it's power. This is a power tool that can make a huge difference. Because when you use humor, this is what the research really shows. a positive environment, grabs attention, makes your presentation more memorable, it empowers, you're more likable, establishes rapport, the audience is more receptive to you, increases trust disarms and distracts them from overanalyzing you. This is a power tool. It makes a huge difference. It has this domino effect of goodwill, positive emotions with your audience. They feel happier. They're in a better state, better mood, easier to persuade. Humor will give you the power to motivate and influence others in a productive, positive way. In my book, Persuasion IQ, I paid big bucks to have cartoons in there to get that smile, to generate a smile. You can use comics, videos, whatever you need to do to increase your humor. Now, again, practice it. Don't tell a joke for the first time. Just because you laughed at it doesn't mean other people will. You've got to practice it. It's all in the delivery. You have to set it up. It's all in your body language. It's in your voice inflection. It's that punchline. Watch how other people tell jokes and use humor because it makes a big difference. And what I would recommend on your phone, create a joke list. I have a joke list on my phone. So, when you need a joke or something funny or a link to a YouTube video, it's there. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to do any research. So, when you hear great humor from your kids or from a coworker or late night talk show, whatever it is, write it down. Now, nothing about politics or religion or other things that are offensive. We don't do those because you offend half your audience. Just good jokes. In fact, let me pull up my joke list right now. Let me give you some. I have one. I write them down all the time. And again, a lot of these do not translate to different languages. Sorry, my international friends. This one was told to me last week. I put it on here. What did the janitor say when he came out of the closet? Uh, Supplies. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. How about one that my daughter told me? She came running home from elementary school. Dad, dad, I have a joke. I'm like, all right, tell me. She's like, what are the two reasons you shouldn't drink out of the toilet? I'm like, I don't know, honey, there's probably hundreds. She's all, no, there's two. Number one and number two, (laughs) okay? You can borrow them from your kids. I saw a speaker do this once, got up the next morning, says, man, I dreamt about mufflers all night. Everyone's like, mufflers, what? And he's like, I woke up exhausted. Yeah, no, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Okay, and here's a fun one that uh, this man was walking on the beach in California. There was a bottle on there, rubbed it, a genie appearance, says you get one wish, anything you want, what's your wish? And this guy was afraid of flying, always wanted to go to Hawaii, and said, hey, uh, could you build a bridge to Hawaii? I want to drive there. And the genie says, geez, you know how deep the ocean is and the the rough water? I mean, that's, wow. Is there anything else? Anything else? Please, anything else? And the man thought, says, all right, here's my other wish. I want to understand women. And the genie says, okay, do you want two lanes or four? (laughs) Yeah, no, maybe. I don't know. You've got to decide. These are on my joke list. I have probably over 100 on here. I just pick them up. Some are good. Some are not so good. Some I write down at the time are funny, and I look at them later, and "Mm, not so funny. But create that joke list. Again, humor. Wow. Use it. It just opens the doors to influence. It changes the game. It gets people to like you. This is a big deal in the world of persuasion and influence. I spent many months studying the impact of humor and persuasion. It's real. When it's done the right way, it'll make a huge difference to get people to laugh and to smile. And remember, some people are only laughing and smiling on the inside. That's okay. But if you get most of your audience to laugh or smile or even one-on-one, people love salespeople persuaders where they just smile, they laugh, they know they're going to feel better. That's just part of the persuasion process many people don't even think about. Now, one of the things that matters here and why this works so well is the change in mood. If you want to go back to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, in episode 183, it talked about the emotions and changing mood because mood matters. When people are in a great mood, they're much easier to persuade, and that's where humor comes in. So I appreciate your listening, appreciate your support and your email. Thank you for the kind words. Of course, the podcast is on iTunes, Spotify. Also, you go to YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. And on Pinterest and Instagram, or at MaxInfluence. These skills will change your life. Everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. If you're wondering what's taking so long, persuasion, influence, self-persuasion, key factors to your success. So hey, mash the skill. Use humor. Test it out this week and go out and persuade with power.